welcome to the Win Daily PGI PGA live stream. We come at you every Tuesday night at eight thirty. Here we are. I think Sticks Picks is going to join us, Joel. So we'll wait for him to pop in. He's doing the Better Golf Pod right now. I think he's finishing up. Um, but listen, man, I'll tell you, Joel. Before I introduce you. I love major pricing, right? I mean, it's like you, you, you fill out a team. It's almost like when you're doing your fantasy football draft, right? You, when, you're, when you're doing live drafts, for example, and then everybody stares at, at the board once the draft is done and you're like looking at your team. You're like, oh man, like I got to be top three this year. My team is amazing because of course you drafted it. So of course it's so amazing. Like that's how I feel when I fill out DraftKings lineups for for major tournaments for major PGA tournaments and and uh, is are you you feeling the same way you feel like you're going to win every single tournament I mean I know it's ridiculous but is that how you feel I just, I, I just have like a really good feeling going into this week I just you know the pricing most weeks we're going in and we're like trying to find somebody in the six K that we're uncomfortable about that we just have mm-hmm. to ride with. like you don't have to do that this week there's guys down there like they, like for example just I know we'll get into it in more detail in a minute but. Ryan Palmer was in the highest tier like two tournaments ago, and now he's mm-hmm. in the lowest tier, literally within like two weeks. So like the fact that that can happen in a tournament like this is is wild. Yeah, I mean he was ninety one hundred just last week. I know you were talking about two tournaments ago, but ninety one hundred, and now he's sixty nine hundred. And it's funny because you know I'm the president of the Ryan Palmer fan club, but I have some concerns about him, which of course we'll have to wait for the six K range to get to. But um, it's funny that I'm even saying that. Like those are words that I not I, I didn't think I would ever say about Ryan Palmer. But listen, here we are. So I want to get your thoughts on this course. I mean, obviously the first thing you hear about the the PGA Championship is. This, I mean, you, you might see, you might hear Lynx course, you know, Oceanside or Seaside, I should say, but it is a bear. It is 7,876 yard par 72. I mean, you are going to have to sling this thing around the course. You, you want to be a long hitter, but I think we've all kind of come to realize that as we've sort of, you know, you and me at least and the Wind Daily team sort of broken down the information that being long off the tee is great. It's certainly going to help. It will help you in maybe deciding tiebreakers between two players, but it's not really a super high priority for me at this point relative to just ball striking, accuracy off the tee, around the green game. I mean, this course is going to be so tough. Greens in regulation is going to be tough whether you're in the fairway or not, but particularly if you're not in the fairway. So I think around the green game is huge here. I think ball striking in general, you know, accuracy off the tee and, and on approach I think is really huge. And yes, driving distance is definitely going to help as well. But what are your thoughts? Do you agree with me? Or is there something maybe that I'm missing that you want to kind of factor in as well? So I came around to that. I started the week trying to look for distance. And I think the more research I've done, I've gotten more comfortable with, I'm with you around the green game. and I think are where I'm prioritizing more. Because also what I'm seeing is, you know, even if Bryson out drives everybody 50 yards, he's not going to get straight down the fairway. And if the wind picks up, he could be all over the place. And that could end up getting really dangerous. There's water here. So uh, it it almost feels like an average straight drive is going to be better than getting the extra 50 or 100 yards of distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Any other things about the course that that you are concerned with? I'll tell you this. Um, I was listening to the. Uh, I, this is this will be a flex. It'll be consistent with the flex that that Mike North had earlier this morning on our on our twelve o'clock our noon Eastern time show that he does every single day. It's a betting show that he does every single day, basically to s- set the table for MLB, NHL, NBA, whatever bets him and John Jansen are considering. That literally is on our YouTube channel and on Twitter every single day. So Mike North was was flexing. He was kind of name dropping. He was doing all this stuff. So. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna save I'm gonna save the flex. Let's just get into let's just get into the lineups. 
Um, I don't think I have anything more to add about the course. Honestly, I think when we come on Tuesday night, I know it sounds kind of ridiculous, but I think people kind of generally know um, what's what's going on with with the course in the in the course dynamics. Um, but again, my, my emphasis is, go is going to be if I'm looking at models, if I'm looking at players, I, I want to be accurate off the tee. First of all, off the tee is is great. You can look at that just as a whole, but just know that distance is weighted way more than than accuracy. So you have to consider that if somebody's like number one off the tee, like Bryson will be, you know, th that is weighted heavier on distance than it is accuracy. So off the tee is important, not not critical, but it's definitely important. Uh, approach is also important. I think the the longer proximities. This is a long course, so just like the last couple of weeks when we've looked at proximity 175 to 200 or 200 plus, that's going to come into play. You might want to add that in, um, in addition to your just general approach numbers. And then again, around the green, I think is really important here too. So uh, with that, oh, and by the way, the wind is going to be a factor here. Um, I think, I think we're not going to know, you know, I, I, we already got a question here. Um, you know, can you tell us what the wind splits are? Well, we don't know yet. I mean, we know it's going to be windy. It doesn't look like it's going to be out of control. It looks like maybe 15 to 20 miles per hour for those first two days. But in terms of whether the morning or the afternoon on Thursday and, and Friday are going to be uh, critically different, we don't know that yet. And so I think what we do at Wind Daily and what, what, what Stephen Pilardi at Sicily Kid kind of always does for the entire community is he's he's reading radar and he's getting information from from certain people at around 8 8 30 eastern standard time and that's sort of when we as a team determine okay we need to shift things around a little bit so that's always revealed in discord so that's you know reason number 572 to join winddailysports.com and you know jump in our discord because that golf discord just like nba for obvious reasons is or or mlb or nhl it's super critical to be in there before lock before lock of any sport and that's why we have so many people super active not just writers but subscribers in discord just sharing information joel with that said we've got this elite range we always talk about it in terms of it being an elite range and of course it is it starts with roy mcelroy who is obviously coming off a win and looking really really good uh, we got Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Bryson, and uh, our friend Jordan Spieth. Who do you like here, my friend? You know, there's a lot to like about this range. All these guys are good. I think before I get really granular on this range, I think the big picture thing to think about is how you're going to construct your lineup, right? Are you looking to be – if you really love one of these guys, which is totally fine, these are the best golfers in the world, you can figure that out and you can still get balanced as long as you don't, you know, try and get two of these guys or three of them. So – you know, just think about how you want to roster build this week because you're not going to want to dip into the 6K range. There's some really good golfers, even in the low 7s. So if you can stay that kind of balanced, you'll be in good shape. And I found some really great builds where you're, I'm getting a lot of 8K guys in that range. So that's what I want to do. So the reason I want to preface that is because I'm not going to be all that high on this range for that reason. Not because I don't like these guys. I just think I can build really quality 6 golfer lineups with a lot of guys in the high sevens and, and 8K range. So with that being said, you know, here, who I like most, I think I, the biggest thing I would do knowing that I'm playing GPPs is I, is I want to be different. So the only chalky player I'll play is Spieth, just because, you know, if, if you're buying into what we said earlier around being a good scrambler and things like that, you know, Spieth is the best. You know, he's the one that – and right now he's found his driver. He's, he's hitting it accurate. That won't hurt him. His approach game has been on point. And if it's going to be a windy week with scrambling and guys making it work, you know, speed is the best at doing it. So I'm not going to come off him. But other than that, you know, I like Rory a lot this week. It's just at this price for Rory, it just it seems like too much. You're really paying a premium for Rory. So for that purpose, I don't love him. 
I feel the same way about Thomas. I mean, do I think he could win the tournament? Absolutely. But, you know, I just don't think he's that much ahead of the rest of the guys that we can go after where I'd rather just build more balance and, and get the other guys, um, you know, for a lower price because I think they're pretty close. I will – I am going to play some DJ and Rom because I just think, you know, we're getting that competitive tournament balance where these two guys, especially off the tee, can be the best up in the field. Um, and I think DJ, you know – I love buying DJ low. And if this is a week where people are starting to get down on DJ, I think, I think he's healthy. I think he's preparing himself for the major. So I think he's going to come in and be hungry. So those will be the plays that I really like up at this top range here. Yeah. DJ is really interesting because, you know, I, I usually do the single entry stuff, maybe three max. And I, it's really hard when you're doing a single entry tournament to consider DJ. Cause there's just so much unknown. When, when I can pivot up to Rory or I can pivot down to Jordan Spieth, it just, it just makes more sense to, to do that. But to your point about just, you know, catching leverage now, now, Dustin is still going to be in the double digit ownership, but, but he'll probably like land, I'm guessing around like 12% or so, which is considerably lower than, you know, Rom and Spieth. But other than that, he's kind of like tied with everybody. So knowing that, I don't think I'm really prepared to play DJ. If he was garnering ownership just because of that unknown of like 7%, then yeah, I'll throw him into a couple of my single entries, you know, something like that. But yeah, I'm not going to go there. I'll tell you that the guys I like, I like Rory quite a bit. And, and what I think I'm buying, like, you know, part of me is like, oh, you're chasing points. You know, you're, you're chasing what just happened. But I also think I might be chasing like a, a continual upward trajectory of Rory. I mean, you, you know, he's he was playing pretty well actually before he won that tournament, and then add to that, add to that, like so. So what I'm saying there is, you know, his strokes gain metrics check out for the most part, and add to that, you know, Steve Cowan, you know, he, he's just started working with Rory, and boom, all of a sudden Rory wins a tournament, and, and you know, who knows what really happened there? You know, what what fixes were in uh, with respect to to Rory's game? But I mean. He's a, he's such a great course fit here, and we might have him on on a continual upward trajectory. And knowing that the pricing is pretty soft, and we can get guys in the eight k and seven k range, or and even the nine k range with with having Rory in your lineup, I'm not worried about the price like I normally would be in other tournaments. So I, I like Rory the best. I like Jordan Spieth second best. If I had to take a third guy, it'd probably be John Rahm. But I just feel like with the new equipment. And the fact that his game has been a little up and down, I, I just I don't think I can get there with him. But I, I agree with the sentiment. You can fade this range easily. Uh, you can absolutely just play a super balanced lineup with 9K, 8K, and 7K guys, or just some, you know, a couple 9K guys, a couple, you know, maybe you'll you'll be able to fit in four 8K guys with that, depending on where you go. So I uh, I don't mind that strategy at all. So maybe we can move on because I'll tell you this 9K range. Uh, has a lot of guys that I think people are really going to attach themselves to, two in particular. And of course, I'm talking about Xander Shoffley and Victor Hovland, who are going to have very high ownership percentage. Now, I know you said you were probably fading some chalk beyond Jordan Spieth, but let me just run down the list real quick. We have Colin Morikawa, we have Xander, we have Brooks Kepka, who for the record isn't going to have much ownership at all for kind of obvious reasons. We have Hideki, another guy that's not going to command that much ownership. Victor Hovland, Webb Simpson, Patrick Reed, and uh, old friend Patrick Cantlay, who will have the lowest ownership, it seems, in this entire group, which is kind of strange to, to think about. But that's the 9K range. Who are you, who are you going after here, Joel? You know, when, uh, when it first came out, I was pretty uh, – I, I really liked Cantlay, knowing he was going to be really low-owned. And, you know, he has an affinity for these peak die courses, and this is where he really excels. So it could be like a course that maybe he'll find something here. 
But the more I look at it and the more I'm coming around, I'm, I'm cutting off of it a little bit. I mean, he's been so bad um, that he has to find so much to get back. And even yeah. though he's Peter Dykhorst and he's had success at, this does seem to be a little different, a bit more unique, a bit longer. So it's not that same mold of some of the other courses that that he's really excelled in the past. So um, if, you, if you're playing a big GPP and you want to get different by playing him, mean, I can see the, the sentiment, but I think I'm going to be coming off of him from that you know perspective. Who I really like, who I think is also going to be low-owned in this range, is Hideki Matsuyama. Listen, he's coming off the Masters, uh, where he was obviously played great. Then he played last week, and he kind of said last week that, like, you know, he has just been partying, he has been practicing, and I think a lot of people saw that and kind of came off him. But his advanced metrics were really good last week. I mean, he was ball striking, per usual, is great. But the really most good. thing about him that I think stood out to me, that why I like him, is he also was did was, for, for his norm, he was pretty good putting. And if he's mm-hmm. got something with the putter, then he's all of a sudden, you know, one of the best golfers on tour because he's a guy that's we're constantly worried about is he how many how many strokes is he going to lose putting this week? Can you play deck because of the putter? And if he's got that right now, then uh, I don't think he should be with lower own guys in this field. So I like a decky a lot uh, for this range. And then, yeah, I mean Xander and, and it looks like the chalk. I do like him. I won't I won't fade off. You know, just know those lineups Xander and Speed. Make sure you find a way to get different elsewhere, right? You can't just play all the chalk. That won't be very good. And then, uh, you know, Colin Morikawa seems to be a little bit getting overlooked this week. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of people talking about him. Let's not forget, he's the best ball striker in the world by a lot. Uh, any week, he can go out there and win, but it's the same thing with him. He's got to make some putts. So if he makes a few putts this week and he strikes the ball, he'll be in contention. So if, if we're looking at a lower-owned Colin Morikawa, then, then definitely sign me up. Yeah, it's interesting about Colin because I expected him, and let, let me take a quick look at, at what I'm seeing from an ownership standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a reasonable percentage. He's going to be in the 10 to 15%, and it's probably going to be closer to 10 than it is 15, I mean, it, or, or somewhere right in the middle. So that's really that's a, that's a bargain for Colin Morikawa because he is such a good ball striker. Now, the short game with Colin is, is the issue. So he obviously has the inconsistent putter, which doesn't usually worry me. Um, the around the green game, does kind of worry me. And, and frankly, that worries me a little bit with Hovland as well, even though he is um, vastly improved this year versus last year around the green. So I think Morikawa is a, like a fine play. As far as Hideki is concerned, I totally agree with you. I'm not a Hideki guy, but the way he was ball striking last week, coming off coming off a break from the Masters and just – and you would think, by the way, during that break, he w- he wasn't maybe playing as much. He's, he's unfortunately having to do the press tour and you know all of this stuff. He comes in and his ball striking metrics were like unbelievable. Actually, the putter was good around the green game wasn't good at all. But the thing with Hideki is he can get hot or cold there. If you go back the last, you know, 10, 20 tournaments, he has, you know, just like everybody else, you know, some guys are, you know, they, they got it one week and some guys don't. And so if the ball striking is there, like it was at the masters, like it was last week and you've got Hideki at, you know, sub probably 7% ownership. I mean, Wow. Like that is, that is an amazing play. Now I'll, I'll say he's not my favorite play in this range. Like if I, if I had to pick a favorite, unfortunately, I, I think I'd have to say Xander. Um, but is, as far as a second favorite play, and, and by the way, Nick Brettwish is coming in soon. So I'm curious because he's a guy that's usually pro Hideki. So if he's pro Hideki here, that might tip the scales, but I, I think I like Xander and Hideki the most here. Um, I understand the Victor Hovland sentiment, and I understand he can take this tournament down. He has been a little spotty lately. You know, there's been a couple tournaments over the last four or five that he's been like kind of 
you know, questionable, but obviously he's going to rate out really well on anybody's model that goes back, you know, even if it's like 16, 24, 36, 50 rounds, it's going to look really good for Victor Hovland. I think he's a top 10 player in the world. There's no controversy there. I think you could make the argument that he's nearing that top five in the world status. But with that said, I'm, you know, the, the, the latest, like if I look at recent, really, really recent history. And by the way, what I do, I typically look at 36 rounds, but then I'll check 50. Then I'll check 12. I want to see like upward trajectory. I want to see a, a big sample size. I want to see maybe a little bit bigger of a sample size. So I'm kind of looking at all that stuff. And what I saw recently with Hovland, it just kind of gets me off of him, especially knowing that he's going to be one of the highest owned guys in this entire field. He might, he might be the highest owned. If he's not the highest owned, he's probably going to be second or third. So knowing that, I think I might have to come off him. Anybody else in the 9K range, by the way, we didn't even mention Bryson DeChambeau. You might have mentioned him as like kind of an afterthought, but l- let me just ask you because you know we think long course, and it's like, oh, okay, well, obviously Bryson makes sense. I'll get, I'll go ahead and start my lineup there. Um, I'm not playing him this week. Uh, if I do, it'll be kind of like a throwaway in a small lineup because I because I want in on on maybe one percent share of him. But how about you? I'm uh, you know I, I'm not going to completely fade him. You know. No- I, you know, I play a lot of lineups, so he'll be a, a small percentage, but definitely not going to be heavy on him this week. Uh, I'm going to have the same sentiment of you. It's like he has that, you know, crazy ceiling where, like, I always want to get a little exposure to him. So if he goes off, you know, I'm not going to be dead. But there's just he, – he's not, like – he's his game is so bizarre, and I feel like mm-hmm. while S is off, the T game is going to be amazing. It's those second shots where he actually really struggled, which is bizarre why that's his biggest weakness, where he's going to need to be good this week. And I just I just think it's it's not a good setup for him, even though the length is obviously in his favor. I think that's deceiving. And I think, you know, he might get a little bit over-owned because of that, which would be good for, for folks like us and people watching the show. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, his ownership isn't super high right now. We'll see how that shakes out. But I'll tell you, I mean, he's been straight up bad on approach the last few tournaments. I mean, it's it's not good. I mean, you can't just you can't just not be good on approach and, and you know, sling the ball 350 yards and expect to be competitive in a tournament. Um, I'll tell you this. I was listening to the first cut, which I am on, by the way, on Sundays and Mondays. Sundays we do a preview show. Mondays we do the DFS show. But Today, there was a show with um, with Rick Gaiman, of course. Uh, usually, Greg Ducharme is on there. But Mark Immelman was on there as well with Kyle Porter and, and the coach, uh, Jonathan Coachman. And Mark Immelman w- walked the course with uh, with Dottie today. He, he was talking about how it's going to be really difficult. I mean, you know, especially if the wind if, if the wind's not there, which I, I think the wind will be there. If the wind's not there, it won't be difficult. But we expect the wind to be there. He said it's going to be really difficult. He doesn't expect... You know, we all think maybe minus seven or minus eight will take this tournament down. He doesn't think it's going to get that low. So I find that interesting. And um, and the one thing I, I, he also said, and granted, take this kind of with a grain of salt, because I don't know how long he was watching Bryson. I truly don't. It might have been like two shots. It might have been five. It sounded like he watched him take a few swings at it. And he said, it, you know, he wasn't exactly hitting it straight. So again, that's a super small sample size. I would never like take that little bit of information and tell people not to play Bryson. It could have been like, you know, like five minutes of bad swings over, you know, 30 minutes of good swings that we didn't see. But I just knowing that he, you know, he's not striking the ball that well and hearing that information and knowing that you can really get yourself into trouble if you're not in the fairway, it's just doesn't seem like the right recipe for Bryson. So I agree with you. It's not a complete fade. Um, but it's not somebody I'm going to be leaning on at all. Uh, Joel, with that said, anybody else, before we get into the to the 8K range, 
Anybody else in the 9K range that you might think is like sneaky, like maybe a, a Patrick Reed or Webb Simpson or maybe even a Brooks Kepka that you, you might think you'll play more than most? Uh of the of the, I'm not going to be playing Kepka. I just don't think he's healthy. Um, mm-hmm. He hasn't given us a reason to believe he is yet, and so for that reason, it's hard to put my money behind him. So I'm not on Kepka. I think Reed and Webb Simpson could both be interesting um, from that standpoint. Like if you're buying into, this is going to be a really difficult course. These are the types of guys that you know they, they don't get into a lot of trouble, and they're going to excel around the green and scrambling. So, and I don't think they're going to be overly, especially for these elite golfer range. So. If you want to get you know interesting and, and really build a balanced lineup, kind of starting at this point, right, and then kind of going down to staying in the AK range, you can do so with those two as your top guys, and, and I think that could be a an interesting way to build lineups this week. That makes sense. Um, we have a question in the chat. Um, Nick is Nick is about to come on, um, but we got we got this question about about putting. Um, so the, the question is for those of you not watching, it says, should we put less of an emphasis? Oh wow, he's the here. Boys. Oh, and he's hey, so up? he's so well dressed, like in like proper looking. Uh, you don't just have a hat a Nike on? polo for Paul Casey. Oh, oh is it a Paul not Casey week? Yeah, it's Paul Casey week. I love it. We're not in the seven K range yet, so we'll get there. Um, Nick, before we get to this question, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I think I'm as locked in as I can be for this strong of a field. Like obviously, every single golfer that you've already talked about is a stud, but it's. Uh, I think I'm playing my flag on a couple of golfers, and I'm ready to get after it. So, you know, we're about to get into the 8K range, but let's answer this question. And then, Nick, I just want you to give me a kind of like just a quick hitter, like who you like in the 10K range and who you like in the 9K range. And then we'll all move to the 8K range. But as far as the grass type, I haven't put a huge emphasis on putting. I'll tell you that that the prevailing wisdom here is that and you guys, please feel free to jump in here. The prevailing wisdom is is that the pass column is, you know, maybe easier to put on. Um, versus some of the other grass types. I think it's close, closest to Zoysia or, or Bermuda. And so you could look at, you know, you could look at golfers. You, we don't have a lot of pass pollen, uh in terms of a sample size, you know, uh, Puerto Rico, Corrales, Punta Cana. Um, there might be, there might be a couple of others, but I'm not really looking a lot into putting this week, but Nick, let me ask you, did you, when you made your models, was, was putting a big factor or not really? Not really at all. Same for Spencer. We actually just finished off the Better Golf podcast. And yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I'm more around the green. Like everything that you yeah. said in our group text earlier, that's how I made it prior to you saying that. So I think we're we're gonna be on the same guys here. And I absolutely love that. Awesome. Awesome. I think well, around the green. Go ahead. Putting this week is not necessarily uh, strokes gained, right? It, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Avo- avoiding three putts was pretty much my thing. Is yep. exactly what I was gonna say. It's three putt yep. avoiding. So let just you want guys if they can avoid three putts. Those are the guys that can you know put together those tournaments. Those guys are are constantly putting themselves in trouble on the greens. You just want to get get them out of your lineups. Yeah, which is why I'm looking at Sergio's ownership and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the lowest I've ever seen Sergio owned. I might have to dive in because of it, but that we'll, we'll wait for that. Nick, real quick, in that elite range, 10k and above. Um, and maybe you could just dip into the 9K range. You don't have to give me your rationale because um, we've kind of been through it a little bit, but uh, give me some of those guys that you like that you know you're playing. Uh, 10K and above, the only guy I will touch all week is going to be Justin Thomas for okay. everything that we just talked about. Um, below that, I love Xander Schauffele. I know he's going to be popular, so I, I do need to figure out a way to get different. V- Victor Hovland grades out as number two in my model behind Justin Thomas, so that sucks because he is going to be the most owned player in this tournament. So I was undecided on Patrick Reed, but have we gotten to the 8K range? Not yet. 
All right, give me all the Cam Smith. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But but Patrick Reed's in the 9K range. He's 9,100. How do we feel about him? He just doesn't grade out well for me because the putting. Okay. Like, if if we're not taking putting into consideration, that is, like, you know, Spencer said it too on the last show, like, that's his biggest weapon is that guy is an elite, elite putter. And if it just doesn't matter as much or if we don't think it matters as much, it's just uh, he's kind of just okay. He's not very long off the tee. I know he hits, you know, a, a tight draw. So if the course is playing dry like everybody's reporting it's going to, I guess he can get some run. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just it's not for me. He doesn't hit his long irons as well as I'd like him to. So if the putting is what we like to attack from Patrick Reed, just it, it doesn't make sense for me this week. And the last question, because I promised the listeners I'd ask you this. Um, believe sure. it or not, believe it or not, me and Joel appear to both be kind of big on Hideki Matsuyama, who, of course, is your boy and who who won you some money recently. Um, <laughs> how are you feeling about Hideki? I'm indifferent. I haven't built a lineup with him yet. I don't like his outright price. I don't see a lot of value there. I'm worried about him off the tee. And for that, I th- if I have to make a decision now, it's going to be a fade for me just because... I'd so much. I'd rather go down to Hovland and eat chalk there, or go down to Cam Smith, or find a way to get up to Xander. And that's just like it's Xander or Hovland for me in that range. And I hate it that it's that popular, but there's plenty of guys that I'll be getting different with as we go down the show. So let's start with that 8K range then. Let me just read them off. Uh, we got Cam Smith, Will Zalatoris, uh, Daniel Berger, Tony Finau, Scotty Scheffler, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Sung J M, Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, and Terrell Hatton, and of course, Louie. So, uh, Nick, why don't you get us started? Who do you like in the 8K range? I absolutely love Cam Smith. I think I'm trying to build as many lineups as I can with him. Berger, I think more in shorter fields. If it's going to be a mass tournament, like I think Berger can absolutely tear up this course. I do like his outright at 33 to 1 right now on points bet. So that's probably where I'll go for the most of my exposure. And then in cash games, I'm certainly going to have Berger because, again, I think this course fits him perfectly. I'm going to fade Fee now just because it's a major, and uh, I've, I've played him so much up until this point. I'm just going to break up with him and, and you call don't, it a day. Nick, Nick, you don't have to explain why you're fading Tony That's Fee fair. Right. It's like it's kind of the reason all you guys are fading <laughs> Tony Fee now is why I'm Tony Fee now. So I'll eat the chalk fade of Tony Fee now. But Sanjay M, I love Sanjay M this week, and he's going to be under 5% owned. I know he just blew up a couple weeks ago, but I think this course fits him extremely well. He's pretty volatile with the putter, but I think he can, if he can avoid the three putts, he's done better at that of late. I think this course fits him very, very well. And, he, you know, he's living in Georgia right now, so probably plays these type of courses a lot. I guess not a lot of Pete Dye courses look this way, but... I don't know. I, I just like Sanjay grades out really well for my model. And if he's going to be unowned, I think that's a GPP difference maker. Yeah. My issue with Sanjay is the, while the ball striking is normally there, I just feel like it hasn't been there super recently. Like if we're looking like, you know, smaller sample size, maybe 12 rounds, 24 rounds. But it's funny though, because I, I never want to just be married to the metrics because I totally agree with you. Sungjae seems like a pretty good course fit here. So, and obviously people, you know, golfers turn their game around it ebbs and flows. So I, I, I think I agree with you on Sungjae. I just don't think I can get there with him, but um, that, that, that's it. That's a really interesting play. So Joel, 8K range, who do we like? Do we also like Cam Smith? I mean, I think Cam Smith is super interesting. So Joel, start there. Obviously, that's where you'd start anyway. He's at the top of the range. But are you, are you going to be on Cam Smith? The short game is, is magical. So I get that. Yeah, you. Uh, to me, you can't be off of him for this reason. He hasn't missed in uh, two months. I mean, every tournament he's played in, he's top 15. Um, and at this price, he doesn't have to be our best golfer. So he doesn't have to win the tournament. Um, and he's going to compete to like, 
he's like he's got a high floor and a high ceiling. So I agree with Cam said I like him a lot. Um, he, and he's got he's one of those guys that's like he's yet to prove us wrong. I mean, every week he's 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 been right there. At a similar vein, who's not you know, I like Daniel Berger a ton. Now you know his in most recent results. I've been really good. If you look back at the Masters, he missed the cut. Before that, he was ninth in the players. And he seems to really – Berger really plays up at these big tournaments. I feel like he wants to make a name for himself. He feels probably like – I mean, I feel this way for him. Like he doesn't get the respect of being in that top range and he's kind of inching his way in. So I think he really brings his A game at majors. And I think his form is right there. And at this price, like I've been as good as some of the other guys at another $1,000 more. So I love Berger a lot. I'm going to have a lot of exposure to him. And I also like Will Zalatoris. He's my third of those top three, but I like Will Zalatoris a lot as well. His ball striking has been great. I think the concern with Zalatoris is that, you know, his putting and his around the game aren't as strong. So if that's what you're heavily weighting this week, uh, you might not like him as much, but I think he's easier to compete. You know what's so interesting about Cam Smith is he's kind of one of those guys that, like, breaks the models because he doesn't do – I mean, around the green, he's always going to be, like, top ten. But if you look at him off the tee, if you look at him on approach, it's kind of like, oh, okay, he's he's okay. I mean, he'll probably show up on your model, you know, 40th or like, you know, 31st or something. But like, it depending on how you're weighting it, of course. But most people, of course, diminish around the green and, and they're weighting off the tee and, and uh, approach a lot more, obviously. I don't know how the guy does it. It's like smoke and mirrors, but it's not like we have a small sample size of him performing in in, in majors really well or in, in, you know, really talented fields really well. He does it all the time. So I don't know how the guy's doing it, but um, I, I agree you can't be off of him. I'm not going to be heavy on him, like certainly not as heavy as Sticks, but you can't just completely fade him. It's not a guy in this tournament to completely fade, especially knowing what, what we know about what we think we know about um, around the green game. Um, I'll tell you some of the guys I, Oh, you know what? Before I, before I even get anywhere, let me, let me put this We have a few comments here, actually. Um, this is fun to hear. Long time listener. Keep up the good work, fellas. See ya. That Santana Moss pick is sick. Thanks for noticing. And by the way, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you can see this, but he's doing the, He's doing the 21 thing for Sean Taylor. So the motivation behind that pick actually was more the Sean Taylor holding up the, you know, or the Santana holding up the 21 rather than it was uh, Santana. But that's just kind of one of those iconic pictures. I've always kind of had it and, uh, you know, got it blown up. So thank you for noticing and thank you for listening. Uh, we got a comment from one of the one of our newer listeners who reached out to me. Super, super nice guy. Um, last one for Cam Smith was on a Pete Dye track. Oh, OK. That's um, that's solid info. Um, and speaking of Pete Dye tracks, um, I kind of like Siwoo Kim, but we'll get there. And this is interesting because, you know, uh, is is he in the 8K range? Yes, he is. Now, Nick, for some reason, I thought you might bring up Tommy Fleetwood. Is he on your radar at all? If he was 1% or 2% owned, yes, but he's going to be creeping in that like 5 to 8% range and in a tournament with this big with this many players. It's just – it's not for me. I don't like – if he was like high sevens, I think I chose a value for me, but – Everything that I do, it pushes me to hat and chalk, which I'm okay with. I don't love it. It seems like a lot of sharp money sharp money in the outright market is on him. But I'm just trying to get to Berger or Cam Smith or get down in the sevens as much as possible. I'm so glad you brought up Hatton. Spoiler alert, um, at the end of the show, we do the first round leader plays and we do the outright plays. And Hatton will be featured in one of those two, at least at least for me. So stay tuned for that. It'll probably happen in about uh, 15 minutes or so. But I was shocked when I saw Hatton's uh, projected ownership percentage. And of course, Stephen Pilardi with WindailySports.com at Sicily Kid, he will have like 
final ownership projections around six o'clock when he publishes his article tomorrow on windowlysports.com. But I was, I mean, I know the price is right. And I know Terrell Hatton is, is a top flight player, but he hasn't played like it this, this year at all. Like he's been kind of bad this year. So to be in the double digits, that's got to be sharp driven to some degree, Nick, right? 100%. Yeah, his uh, his outright price has gone down a lot in the past 48 hours. I think he's now at 50 to 1. I think we saw like 70 to 1 late last week. Yeah. Uh, it's it's got to be because of his iron play. Like 200 mm-hmm. and out, this dude is absolute just he's an elite elite long striker with his iron. So I mean, hitting a four or five iron to him is like me hitting a pitching wedge. Like he's that good with those long clubs, and and those are clubs that I hate hitting. So it, at this course, it makes a ton of sense. He's not really a bomber off the tee. Um, and personally, I just love to see him freak out out there. Like when, <laughs> when he makes a bogey, takes a ball, throws in the water, like he gets all pissed off. I like that fire. Maybe in golf, that's not the right thing, but I, I like him. I just didn't. I wish he was not that choggy. Like to me, it's more of a cash game play again, and I don't really want to play Tyrrell Hatton in cash. Interesting you mentioned him getting angry all the time because I actually think guys like Rom or or Hatton, for example, who kind of get hot under the collar after like one or two bad shots in a row or maybe just one, actually think they're benefiting by playing at a super hard course because they're going to know like a bad shot while like everybody's hitting, everybody's shooting bad shots. It's not like as big of a deal to them to, to, to make bogey on a hole, for example. So I don't know. I think I'm you know kind of doing a little bit of Dr. Phil there, but but I actually think... I think like I might build like a, a team angry for DFS. Like it'll start with Rom. It'll, it'll have Hatton. I'm trying to think of some guys off the top of my head that just completely lose it uh, with their uh, composure. But uh, I guess Schwartzel sometimes does actually, and I know I'm going to be playing him. So th- th- that'll be that'll be my core for my my team angry team. But um, 8K range. Anybody we missed, Joel? Anybody you want to add in before we get to the 7K guys? I don't think we, we mentioned Matthew Fitzpatrick. And mm-hmm. I want to bring him up because I think my stance on, on him is he tends to excel in the difficult course. And this is certainly yep. going to be that, right? And he's going to have the strong around the green game and putting. So I also think he's a, he's a plus player in wind, which if it is a windy week, you know, he should be able to gain some strokes um, that way. So I like Fitzpatrick a lot. And I think the price is right for him. I think we were starting to get turned off when he was becoming like top five price. But now this in this field, like, I think he's, he's appropriately priced. So I think he's another way, another guy that, that can be an interesting GPP play. Yeah, and a classic case of, of everybody's going to be off of him because of what he did last week. The one the one cautionary uh, note I want to say about Terrell Hatton, because I'm just remembering I, I did bring him up on, on a show on Monday, and, and I had to kind of like double check my math. Um, his around the green game is, is pretty spotty. So you, while you're getting the great irons, I mean, hopefully he doesn't need the around the green game because the irons are so good. So it's kind of like one of those situations, but it is something to be aware of lately. The around the green game just hasn't really been there for him. But um, the only other guy I might add to the conversation is Scotty Scheffler. Um, I think he's kind of built for this course. So I think uh, he's a guy, he's not going to be a priority for me. I, I agree on Cam Smith. I agree on Daniel Berger and Terrell Hatton, but I think Scotty Scheffler makes it in there around that range as well. So uh, 7K range, uh, this is a huge range. So maybe we'll go 7,900 to 7,500 and then we'll go from there. Or you guys can just kind of stop wherever you want. But um, Joel, I'm going to start with you. 7K range, I, I won't read all these names, but it does start with one of my favorite guys. Um not Adam Scott, but Abraham Answer. That's a guy I'm going to be playing. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be playing him. So that is 
just unfortunate. I don't know what else to say. But then you got Joaquin Neiman down there. You got Paul Casey, who's also going to be chalky. Um, other guys that are going to be chalky, like Corey Connors, for example, Sam Burns, who just took down a tournament last week. He's obviously going to get some ownership. Um, tell me who you like in the 7K range, Joel. So in the top half of the 70K range, the 7,500 to 8K, there's five guys who I absolutely love. So they're, it's like, they're going to be a staple in my lineup. And I'll go down the list, answer being one of them now. Listen, most of these guys are going to be talking. Everyone knows that has the same information we have, so there's a reason for it. But um, at this range, like we always say, take your, your you can eat your chalk in some positions, just don't eat it for all six golfers. So if you're going to eat chalk on two, just find a way to get different elsewhere. So answer I love a lot. I mean, he's, he's, he's not the longest hitter, but he's very accurate. He'll be in fairways, uh, and he should be able to put himself in some good positions throughout this course. My favorite play in this range, however, is Joaquin Neiman. Uh, Joaquin Neiman is a guy who very easily could have been a thousand dollars more and no one would have blinked an eye. Uh, he's coming in in good form. I mean, 18th at the Wealth Fargo, eighth at the Valspar. Uh, he's, he's, he crushes the ball. So in terms of length and being able to get there, that he, he should be totally fine. And I think the, the, the biggest thing about him is that it's the value. It's, you know, his price, you can, you know, hear me, I look at him as an 85, 8,800 golfer. So the fact that I can build lineups around him with him in this range is, is going to be huge. Now, to kind of round out this top half, the other guy, three guys I want to mention are Paul Casey, Mark Leishman, and Corey Connors. Um, and I want to throw in Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland, I think, is a, definitely a GPP play. He's coming off a top five. He might be coming into some form. Pete dies, of course, the type of courses he usually excels at. So I think he definitely could be interesting this week. Um, I also love Mark Leishman. I mean, Mark Leishman's coming off of a top five at the Masters with a 21st at the Byron Nelson. And he's a guy that can do a little bit of both. He's, he's not the longest hitter. He's a bigger guy, so he looks like it, but he's actually not the longest hitter, but he's he is really good around the green. So if that's the type of golfer you're looking for at this price, I think Leishman could be, could be a nice good play. Yeah, uh, Nick, before I kick it to you, I started to really warm up to Woodland uh, kind of starting today. I mean, I haven't been on him in quite some time. I didn't catch him when he played well, you know, recently. But I do think the price is right, and I do think he's you're kind of getting him on an upward trajectory. So, Nick, I'll kick it to you. Give me some 7K guys you like, but also tell me, is Woodland on your radar at all? Woodland is not on my radar at all this week, and he has he was the the week he played really well, and he was extremely low-owned. I think I took an outright ticket, but he didn't get there. But um, I love Shane Lowry. I like him anytime that it's going to be windy. I think it just fits him very well. He's good around the green. He should be solid off the tee here. I love Abraham Onser, but again, that ownership is just crazy, crazy high. I would like your guys' opinion on Adam Scott at the end of this segment just to see what your thoughts are on him. Um, Joaquin Neiman, second everything that Joel just said about him. He kind of hits the, the ball pretty low, too, so he's going to get a lot of run if he can't you know, bomb it like Rory can, but he can get a lot of run out there. Not on Jason Day. Corey Connors, I'm, I'm going to be off him. If he's going to be 15% owned, like I have absolutely no interest in him there. I have no interest in Leishman at 10%. I like Bubba at 4%. Sam Burns, I'm going to be off him as well. But the guy I like a ton in this range is Matt Wallace. He's going to be pretty popular, but I think that price is just criminally low at 7,400 on DraftKings. He should fit this course extremely well. And then Charlie Hoffman is one of my favorite golfers this week as a whole. I like him outright. I think it's two, 200 to 1 on FanDuel. His top 40 price is plus 230 on FanDuel. Hammer that. Um, Keegan Bradley, more of a cash game play for me. I do like him top 40 as well. We can get into that a little bit later, but Jason Cockrack at 7,100 and Cameron Tringali at 
7100 as well. Those are two of my favorite plays this week, and they're so cheap. If you just put a lineup with both of them or one of them, it opens up a ton and obviously get Charlie Hoffman in there. Yeah, I love like most of those plays you mentioned, including Kokrak, which I'm I'm quite frankly not normally on him. But answer again, I, I like him. There, there's a reason why he's so popular. The Tita Green game, last 50 rounds, if you look at it, it's he's 28th Tita Green. But if you look at the last 12 rounds, he's seven. So again, I, like we, we talked about it, Nick, you weren't here on the front end. You know, I'm looking for guys that have been playing well, but are also on an upward trajectory like Rory is, for example. And so I think answer fits that bill uh, quite well. So I like him quite a bit. I like Casey. I don't love him. He wasn't really initially on my radar and then I couldn't really ignore the stats. So, I mean, I think he's a smart he's a smart play for cash. I probably will avoid him in GPP because I'm, I'm playing other chalk anyway. Um, I'm going to consider Sergio here and there. I, I'm going to be off Corey Connors as well. I, I also think about Corey Connors that while the ball striking is there, I don't think we can rely on the short game with him, particularly the around the green game. So I think I'm going to be off of him. I do like the Bubba call. I think Bubba is a good call. I'll be on him a little bit. I mentioned Woodland. I'm not going to be on Sam Burns. Totally agree on Charlie Hoffman, Keegan Bradley. The only other guy, there's two other guys I want to mention. I'm not going to be on Tringale, by the way, and I normally am, but I will be on Kokrak. But there's two other guys I want to mention. Um, Matt Jones, who has been very good and who's going to be fine in the wind. Um, we, we had that funny win discussion when, when it was with Michael Raziel, if you remember. Um, but 7,100, I think he's going to open a lot of stuff up. And by the way, Siwoo Kim is striking the ball really well. Tita Green, he's been excellent. Um, he's, he's top 20 Tita Green last 50 rounds. He's top 20 Tita Green last 12 rounds. He's, of course, a, a Pete Dye guy. So if you want to go with that narrative, that's going to fit. And at 7,200, I just think that's a great price. So while, while I, I think there's other guys in the 7,200 range, 7,300 range, 7,100 that are good, um, I think Siwoo is right up there, but uh, I would probably agree with the notion that I like Charlie Hoffman the best, seventy three hundred down to the to the flat seven k range. But I think Siwoo is right there. I think Keegan is definitely right there, and I think Kokrak and Matt Jones could definitely surprise some people. Uh, any any other seven k guys? Maybe a uh, Nick. Maybe do you have like a sleeper that you saw and you're like, I, I, I might have to throw him in a lineup. Ricky Fowler, sorry. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> he's he's good. He played well last week. It was so don't even get me started on last week. The cut line was like twelve under. I think it was like seven or six. But still, he. I think his game's coming around a little bit at seven K and zero percent ownership. I'm okay with backing Ricky here. His around the green is something that I I don't think has ever left him. His putter kind of left him. So I think if we're looking for a bounce back, a buy low spot on Ricky Fowler, uh, this is the week. And I want it on record right here. That is Ricky Fowler. (laughs) I would, if I had any Puma, I just, I'm a Nike guy. So if I had any Puma, I'd put it on right now. I don't. Um, So yeah, Ricky Fowler. There you go. There's my hot take. Um, It's just, just the around the green and off the tee, Ricky Fowler. If if the putter's not there for him, everything else will be, and he will surprise a lot of people this week. Uh, shout out to Michael Raziel's grandmother, who is a huge Ricky Fowler fan. Well, let me tell you this, and we probably should have mentioned this at the front end of the show, um, the cut line. You say Ricky Fowler, I think the cut line immediately. The cut line is top 70 in ties. It's not top 65. So this is going to be the one tournament we're going to get top 70 in ties. It's 156-player field, I believe. So, and, and, and the bottom end of this field is, is guys that are just – 
flat out not going to make the cut. So you're, you're looking at like probably 130 guys that are contending for those 70 spots. So if you do that math, then over 50% is, is making the cut here. Um, so that's good. I mean, if you don't, I mean, this is one of those where you're going to need to have a six for six. It's probably not going to be one of those tournaments where you get five out of six and you, you still do well, you still start chipping away. You're, you're going to get past unless, unless three of those five are in the top five somehow at the end of Sunday. So um, there's that. So now we're in the 6K range. Uh, Joel, I'll start with you. There's a few guys that jump out to me. Of course, Ryan Palmer jumps out to me. But the problem with Palmer, just if you look at the really recent form, the ball striking hasn't been quite as good. And the around the green game really hasn't been good either. And so those are two things I'm focused on. So this might be like the first time ever that Ryan Palmer is priced low and I, I don't have much of him. So there's that. I, I like Stuart Sink. Um, I think that's kind of an obvious play. I, I think he'll garner some ownership, although looking at it now, it doesn't look like he's super popular. Um, I've been on Charles Schwartzel for three weeks now, so there's no reason for me to pivot off of him now. He's been really good. Um, once you get below 6,800, however, I start to have issues with really taking many of these guys. Um, I, there's some guys in the 6,600 range like Norin or Gooch or Griffin or maybe even Brandon Steele that I'd consider. But I, I don't think you belong anywhere below 6,800 personally. Anyway, Joel, with that said, any 6K guys you're playing? I agree. There's maybe there's definitely less than 10, maybe five or six guys in the 6K range I'm even considering. And to be honest with you, I'd be surprised if two or three even make my lineups by the time Thursday comes around. So definitely there's no need to dip that low this low this week. You can find ways to build your lines without having to. The guys we will consider down here, though, are one – Palmer and two sink. Those are my two favorites. Uh, Palmer, may, I think Stephen made some good points about Palmer. He's not in his best form. The biggest thing with Palmer is twofold. One, I do think he shows up at some of the bigger tournaments like this. I do think it's a good course fit from the perspective of he's going to be pretty long and he can hit those long irons as well as anybody when he's hitting him. Um, and the third, it's the price adjustment, right? And that's what I always say. One of the biggest factors with DraftKings is, listen, you're not going to be perfect every week and nailing the right golfer, right? But more often than not, if you pick golfers that are better than their price, that should help you in the long run win money. So he's a golfer in this field that is just better than a 6,000 golfer. Even if it's not much, even if he's in mid-sevens, he's better than this. So if you say how you're rounding out your lineup as, as the lowest golfer, then I think it could be a smart play. All right. And uh, Nick, who do we like in the 6K range? Honestly, not that many guys. Victor Perez, I play him every major, even though I do not trust him. He's a psycho who doesn't wear a glove. I do not understand golfers that don't wear a glove when they're hitting, um, you know, woods and long irons, everything like that. But I get you on Schwartzel. Um, but really, the, I mean, John Caitlin is one of my favorite players in this range. It, he's going to be zero. It's like anybody, if I'm going to 6K, I'm playing guys that nobody are playing because it seems like most weeks, I know you guys say it every single week on here, is like when you go down to this range, there's like a couple value guys that everybody seems to be on. Like Thomas Peters, you know, he's going to be closer to 10% owned. Carl Swartzel is certainly going to be up there. Um, I'm interested in Carlos Ortiz, I guess. He's usually a guy that's around the 10% ownership. He's going to be, you know, the one to two range. So I'll play a little bit of him. But John Caitlin is a very, very good golfer. He's, I think he's from the Midwest. And he's ended up plays most of his time on the European tour. Played really well last week. I think he's just tuning it up. I think this course fits him very well. I like Kevin Streelman at 6,700. I know the course is long. Everybody, you know, he's not that short off the tee. I think he's like top 80 in driving distance. So in this field, that should be all right, especially with the run. And his around the green is checks all the boxes for me. But I think that's pretty much it. 
it is Victor Perez, who I don't love, but I'll just play him because I play him every single week. So uh, every single week he's in a major. And John Caitlin. And then who was the other guy? I already forgot my spot here. Oh, Kevin Stroman. I think those are the three that I like. And if you needed like to get even lower, maybe Harold Varner, just because like I, I feel like that guy's a cut making machine. And when it's courses that require very good off the tee and around the green, that fits him perfectly. So those are like my four. I will not go back to Taylor Gooch, even though his price is criminally low, and I love that guy. But that's probably it for me. If you need an absolute bomb, for some reason, my model likes Chan Kim, who probably no one has ever heard of. I just taught David Behrman was on the Better Golf Pod today, too, from ESPN. Oh, nice. And that, that was my one question. I was like, hey, there's one guy I like top 40 who's seven and a half to one, which is like unheard of in the top 40 market. Like you never get prices that long. It's Chan Kim. I think the last time he ever did anything on the on tour in general was 11th at the Open Championship in 2017. But for some reason, my numbers like him, and I do have relatively recent stats for him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ride it. He'll be 0.0.0 percent owned. So the only people that play Chan Kim in DFS is Chan Kim's family if they like to <laughs> dabble in the DFS world. Fair enough. Okay, let me let me ask you. Two more questions before we get to outrights or first round leaders, or maybe maybe um, a, a top forty that Nick wants to give us from the Better Golf Pod. Um, by the way, David Beardman, super nice guy. He he was nice enough to join us for our NFL live stream that we did on, on for round one that Thursday two weeks ago, and analysis was great. He's just such a nice guy, so that's that's great that uh, I guess that's the second time he's been on the Better Golf Pod. Correct? It is. We get him in majors, you know. We gotta gotta yeah. book the the heavy hitters for the good shows. So let me ask you this. Um, KH Lee, he got added to the field for obvious reasons. Uh, anybody anybody on him? Anybody even consider him? I mean, he's sort of kind of late to the party a little bit. He wasn't in the initial pricing, so he's kind of an afterthought to a lot of people, or maybe a never thought because they've already kind of built their lineups. Any of you considering playing KH Lee? I mean, so I don't have him in my lineups now. I mean, he's obviously coming off pretty good form. He just won the last tournament. Um I would be okay if you wanted to play him. I can understand why you would. I don't have him in right now just because I just think there's a the tournament he won was a much weaker field than the one he's about to be in. And I think that's the biggest issue. But uh, I could see, you know, someone like him, and I could see him making a lineup or two. But I'm, I'm as of right now, I'm, I'm not. So I want yeah. to throw you guys go ahead, Nick. You, I, I no, saw I, your I, head shake. I just have one rule it's play KH Lee at TBC properties, and that's it. So I'm going to do the opposite if he's not there. That's fair. Uh, I want to throw you guys a little bit of a curveball before we do outrights and first round leaders. Um, Joel, I'm going to start with you. Can give me like your three favorite guys in the 7K range? We won't hold you to it because I know you've got to like scramble and kind of like scan and scroll. But I think the 7K range. Oh, is is Joel frozen? He might be frozen. Joel, yeah, he's frozen. Oh, there he is. He's, he's back. back. So back. I don't, Joel, I don't know if you heard my question, but I wanted you to give me your three favorite guys in the 7K range. And the reason I'm doing this is because like in discord tomorrow night, like I assume like there's going to be so many questions about the seven K range. Cause that's how guys are, are getting what they believe to be, you know, value. And that's how they're getting the guys at the top uh, for the most part. So whether you're basing it on value or, or upside or whatever you're basing it on, who are the three names in the seven K range? That you're like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm playing these guys a good amount. So I have a, a one, one a and B in Leishman and answer. Um, okay. I'm sorry. Neiman and answer. Um, mm -hmm. Neiman answer. Uh, Neiman, I think, is my one A by a lot. I like answer as well. Like, I'm gonna be pretty heavy on those two. And then the third, who's a, a bit below them, is Leishman. I think Leishman has found it. And and if you guys remember, 
Last year, Leishman was an 8,500 golfer, 8,800 golfer. Um, he During quarantine, he fell off. He hit a slump. He wasn't playing well. And it seems to me right now he's back to where he was a year, like a year and a half ago when he was really peaking. So um, I think he's still getting a little bit undervalued. So those would be my three in that range. For the purpose and the biggest factor being that, to me, these three guys could easily have been priced up into the 8K range, so it's just value. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. And Nick, same question for you. Three guys that you really like here. In the 7K range? Yep. Charlie Hoffman, Ricky Fowler, and who was the guy up here? Sorry, I'm trying to scroll back. I guess Joaquin Neiman, I think, over on okay. Brian Nose. Okay, I'm going to go with Abraham Answer. I'm going to go with you said Charlie Hoffman. I was actually going to say him. So I'm going to pivot off it just to give a, just so I can give a seven, eight and a nine, or I guess you guys both had Neiman, but I'm going to, I'm going to go Keegan Bradley, but I'll tell you that Keegan and Charlie Hoffman are kind of tied with me. Uh, Keegan's probably going to have more ownership. So if you want to pivot off of that, then I think Charlie Hoffman is the right play there. The third guy for me in the seven K range that I'm, I guess, kind of bullish on is Siwoo Kim at 7,200. I think if I had to take three guys and be like, I'm taking a stand here, I've got the chalky answer. I've got the the middle of the road chalk with with Keegan or Hoffman, depending on how, which guy you want to take. And then I've got Siwoo Kim, who who is going to have some ownership, but is going to be not necessarily chalky per se. He'll probably be in that nine ten percent range when when it's all said and done. Um, all right, so let's go to some let's go to some outrights and first round leaders. But let me ask you, Nick. I don't want you to share everything you did on Better Golf Pod because I want people to listen to that. But I know you guys are big on top 40 um, as well. You should be. You guys hit them all the time. Top 20, top 40, whatever it is. Maybe give me your favorite like one or two top 40 or top 20 bets. Yeah, my favorite top 40s are Charlie Hoffman. Obviously, I think that's just my favorite player in every market this week. I do like Paul Casey top 40 at minus 110 on FanDuel. That's really no return at all. But for even money for a guy like that who should fit this course extremely well, I like that. Mm -hmm. And then... Keegan Bradley on points bet is plus 140 to finish top 40. And I believe wow. he won here multiple years ago. But um, either way, hey, he's just playing the best golf of his life, and I like that right now. Yeah, well, in two, I guess it was 2012 when uh, when Rory won. I, I think Keegan played really well in that one too. So yep. I think he's got good experience here. Um, and go ahead, Joel. Before we move on, there's two guys that we kind of skipped over. I just want to kind of talk about I want to ask about. The first one is Brian Harmon. Brian mm-hmm. Harmon has been pretty consistent, uh, you know, his ceiling is not all that high. I don't think you're going to get a top 10 out of him. But he's top 30 is pretty safe. So at least from a betting market, I like him if you want to go top 40 from that range. I haven't even seen his eyes. But also from a DFS perspective, where do you guys land on Harmon? For me, it's a no. I mean, obviously, he's really short, which isn't necessarily a disqualifier. But, you know, I'm looking at his approach numbers, and I'm looking last 24 rounds. They're not. I understand the perception is he's striking it well, and it it feels like he is, but the numbers aren't really speaking to that. So if I'm not really getting what, if I'm not getting an elite iron game in terms of at least recent form, and I'm getting a shorter hitter, then that's just going to be like a disqualifier for me. With that said, I mean he generally keeps it in the fairway, so he's generally good. His second shot is is probably going to be you know, in, in good position, uh, far back a little bit, but it's probably going to be in good position. I don't hate it. I mean, he's he's actually not bad in my model. He's he's 41st, but it's not somebody I'm going to be on. One more guy that I just feel like it's criminal that we didn't mention yet, so I have to bring him up, is Garrett Higo. So 
So mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know who that name, he's a guy who is a European golfer who has been killing the European Tour. He's won, I think, two of the last three. He's got a top ten. So he's probably the best golfer over on that tour right now. You know, it's hard. You know, that's it's like it's like playing the best JV player, right? It's like yeah, it's you're the best on a worst score, but uh, he's definitely has some skill, and not a lot of people here might know who he is. So I just want to bring him up, let you guys know he's he's a hot European golfer. I wonder if, if you guys have any exposure to him this week. Uh, not yet, personally, and it's. I'm glad you brought that up because with the wind in particular, like some of these European players are going to show up and they're going to be, especially if the wind really picks up, they're going to be very comfortable in these conditions. So you want to be careful if you're looking at stats, particularly with these European players that don't come over here a lot, because you might be looking at stats that are just PGA Tour stats, and you might think you have a good a good sample size, but you don't realize that the sample size dates back to like 2018 because you went last 50 rounds and they barely play over here. So what you really want to do is, you know, dial up the European tour results or, or whatever you think, you know, is the most efficient way to do that. Um, or honestly, you could look at DraftKings and just kind of like, you know, punch on their name and see what they've been doing on the European tour, because that, that usually spells, you know, kind of what form they're in. But I'm not personally on Higo, but I'm glad you brought him up because some of these sort of like unnote, like uh, Caitlin, who's an American guy that's playing on the European tour, it, it, they're worth looking into. Um, I think he goes a fine play. I just haven't gotten there yet. I got him in big field, single entry. That's it. But just for that, for the the firepower, the guy knows how to score in golf tournaments and hold the lead if he gets it. So I, I just like that experience. Like golf is still really, it's just you against yourself. Like he knows how to find his, you know, if he finds the best part of his game, he seems to be a guy that can hold the lead. So I do like that, but I think for, for big tournaments, yeah, I, I would do that. He's going to be super low-owned. So a guy that has that type of resume, absolutely. It's funny. what the, 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 the stat or the attribute you're describing, I don't know what we would call it, but it's something Garrett Higgo would grade very well in and something Tony Fina would grade very poorly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just call it Fina. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe maybe you can be Fina a life factor. coach. Maybe you could be a life coach to Tony Fee now because that was that was kind of motivational. It's just you versus yourself. I was like, I was like, is Tony Robbins here? It was fantastic. <laughs> you like right. that? Yeah. Tony Robbins, I, Tony I, I did, now I, got some, I got some pamphlets to hand out to everybody. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's let's do some outrights before we get into the lock first round leaders, because they're always locks. Um, who wants to go first? First of all, Nick, do you have any outrights already? I do. Yes, I punched a burger at thirty-five to one. Charlie Hoffman, two hundred to one. Joaquin Neiman, seventy to one. Paul Casey, sixty-six to one. And Xander Shoffley, twenty to one. That's uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of staying away from, you know, the the top five to ten golfers. I think Xander's about as short as I'll go for pricing. But yeah, that's where I'm at. It seems like his price is moving too because he was twenty-five to one, I guess, a couple days ago. But yeah, I, I think there's a really good bounce back spot for Xander. All right, Joel, any outruns? Yeah, I think the the way the pricing is set up, I think there's a few interesting plays at right around 100 to 1 that has a value. Again, small plays here, but uh, as a few I'm going to just list off for everyone. I think Charlie Hoffman at 140 to 1, uh, Siwoo Kim at 140 to 1, um, Ryan Palmer 125 to 1, Cameron Tringao 110 to 1, um, and uh, 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 Sungjae Im at 90 to 1. So, again, these are – Long shot plays, these are definitely not heavy bets, but you know, throwing a, a dollar or two on, on some hundred to one shots, you know, could, could be fun. 
Well, I, I can endorse a couple of those. Uh, Charlie Hoffman, that's a great number. Uh, I was on the first cut Monday and I said Siwoo Kim was going to win the tournament. And I said it kind of sheepishly and maybe a little bit sarcastically. So let me let me re-say it so we can cut the clip when, when you know he actually wins and it doesn't sound like I'm being bashful about it. Siwoo Kim is going to win this PGA Championship. All right, there we go. We have the clip. Uh, okay, let me give you some outrights that I like. Um, I put Hideki down just because, you know, I know I like him in DFS. I normally wouldn't bet the outright, but I thought 35 to 1 was pretty good. Um, Abraham Answer and Terrell Hatton, you probably missed a, a better number. Actually, I got Answer at 66 to 1. It's now 55 to 1. So is Terrell Hatton. So you kind of missed the good numbers with both of them. But I think those are good odds um, uh, for both of them. Cam Smith, 45 to 1. And then I'll give you two. I'll give you three more. One is just pure fun. Gary Woodland at 100 to 1. Sergio Garcia at 110 to one. He, he has to find the putter for a few days. And then uh, Matt Jones at 175 to one. So that's a handful. I think the ones that are like realistic are Cam Smith, uh, Terrell Hatton and Decky. And I think answer is right behind them there. And then I'm going to throw in Siwoo as well, uh, just to join Joel, because I think uh, Siwoo is going to play out of his mind this week. All right. So we're at the uh, first round leader portion of the show. Um, Nick, do you have any first round leaders? Um. Currently handicapped in that, so pass, oh. and I will catch that in a second. Joel, first round leaders, you got me. So the, it's interesting if you look at like the the prices, they really adjusted. Look, they always do because it's easier to win the first round than the whole tournament. But the odds really come down, and, and as you know, it's no fun taking the favorite in a first round lead. But we're, we're going to go for someone down here to going to give a big payday. So we're going to have to go back to that ninety or hundred to one range. And I got three plays for you. We're going to start off with Charles Schwartzel. Coming off a good form at 80 to 1. Uh, I think you can get a, catch a hot first round leader bet. The second play is going to be uh, Ryan Palmer at 90 to 1, who's right there at that 100 to 1 range. And I think, you know, I love him, even if he doesn't get the first round leader, I love him in showdown. He is more of a single day type than maybe a full tournament. Um, and then my last kind of first round leader uh, bullet will be, and, you know, as, I guess the theme of the tournament for us is going to be Siwoo Kim at 90 to 1. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So I'll give you, I have, let's see. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Nick. Do you, do you have yours already before I go? I'm ready. I've, I only have one. It's going to be Matt Wallace at 80 to one. I think that is my guy. If the weather holds up, I think he can go extremely low on the first day. And then once the pressure starts to pile in, that's when he slowly fades away. I like it. I think that's a really good number on that Wallace. Uh, okay. So I'll give you, let's see, one, two, three, I'll give you six. I'm going to give you six first round leaders. The one I really want to give you as the breaking news goes out in the afternoon. Now, I don't have the weather splits, but I tend to want to pick the morning guys if I don't have enough information on, on the wind or, or, or the course in terms of how it's going to play that particular day. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the breaking news as the, the guy who happens to be going off first in the afternoon. So let me get the other ones out of the way. Uh, Matt Jones at 100 to 1. Terrell Hatton at 60 to 1. Keegan Bradley at 66 to one, Jason Kokrak at 90 to one and Charlie Hoffman at 90 to one as well. However, the breaking news this week, the winner of the PGA championship, Nick, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, are you sitting down? Because this is like, this is big time. Joel is used to this. He's accustomed to this. Um, I just want to make sure, are you ready? I'm about to give the first round leader for the PGA championship. It's happening in two days, but I'm going to give you the news right now. 
I have a blank check, and I am down to overdraw my account. So let's make it happen. And, and frankly, that's what you have to do. You're gonna if you're <laughs> out of money because of last week's fail on first round leader, you're gonna have to overdraft. Because by the way, the, those overdraft fees, you're gonna be able to pay them back. In fact, not only are you gonna pay them back, you're gonna tip the bank teller because you're gonna be like, I have so much money right now because of my first round leader bet. They're not really gonna understand what you're saying, but like, just go ahead and tip your teller because you're going to be able to your first round leader at the PGA Championship. 2021. I'm telling you this on at 9:10 Tuesday evening, Eastern Standard Time. It's none other than the guy we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes at 90 to one. Guys, it's so obvious. I it's so obvious. It's Siwoo Kim. Siwoo Kim is going to be your first round leader at the PGA Championship. You're welcome, America. Joel, I'll take your thoughts. I mean, that was obvious. You know, that was, that was too easy. Yeah. You know, if you I almost had- feel bad saying it. Yeah, I mean, I was like, if you have any cash laying around and it's not on Seawood Kim to win it, then well, yeah, what are you doing? I mean, but, like, talk about yeah, talk about chalk. I mean, it's like it's like obvious. Yeah, so that was that's that's just an easy one. You might almost want to not take it because it's so easy that yeah. it's like it doesn't seem fair. Like you're stealing from whoever bookie you're you're playing with, but it's not I'm fair. You're right. You might get you might get kicked out of your book. Like some of no, these, just these tip your bookmaker. Book. Oh, that's Rick, right. Here, here's half for being dumb, buddy. Thanks for giving me eighty to one or ninety to one. I'll here's half of it back. Yeah, Maybe. you can do that. Tax write off too, right? I think. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Sure. I'm in. Sure. I uh, I tip my bookie. <laughs> that's a donation. Um. Yeah. So see, what Kim's your first round leader. Um. That's it, guys. Any any closing thoughts, uh, Joel? Closing thoughts for the PGA Championship. Are you are you looking forward to it? What are you expecting? And, and by the way, who's 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 winning this thing? So it's going to be a really entertaining tournament. I think there's a lot of factors, like from an entertainment standpoint, that we're going to be able to have fun with between where the wind will be on this course, the length, how guys are going to adjust that. And it's going to be difficult. We're not going to see a super low-scoring fest like we did last week. It's going to be a different way the guys have to play. You're going to have to manage the course well and play really well to win to win this tournament. So with all that being said, um, the winner of this tournament – and it's funny to say um, it's, I'm picking a winner. I know I didn't highly recommend them in DFS. Is going to be Rory McIlroy. I like it. I mean, Rory Rory makes a lot of sense to me. Nick, um, forget about odds and, and all that. Just if you if you had to pick a winner right now, who's it going to be? Xander Shoffley. It's so funny. The two guys I was thinking of when I asked that question were literally Xander Shoffley and Rory McIlroy. <laughs> so I have to give you guys a different answer. Back to the drawing um, board. Oh, that sucks. Um, all right. I'm going to be the Yankees right now, too. I don't think it's going to be Daniel Berger. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to stick with you guys. I'm going to go with, I I think it's Roy McElroy's time. I I just think, I think it's Xander's time, too, by the way, but I I think it's Roy's time. Um, predictions on the winning score. I, 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 did you just mention that? I'm going to start, I think it's going to be minus six. Six under is going to win it. What do you got? I got 11. Wow, that's high. This course is going to be hard, but it's possible if the wind calms down for sure. Joel? I got seven under. Seven under. All right. And we got another question. Cash line. Spieth, Cam Smith, Berger, Answer, Hoffman, Kokrak, meh. Um, I like it. What do you guys think? I like it a lot. I, I think maybe, yeah. I, I think Spieth's, Spieth worries me a little bit here just because mm-hmm. of the erraticness off the tee. You can't really scramble as much at this course. So I'd, I'd rather go to like Xander or uh, I like, I love Cockrack. I love Hoffman. I love everybody else in there. But, and if yeah, for some reason, would, 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, I. That's. that's I was gonna say. I just want Xander in there. Yeah, I don't disagree with uh, with the take on on Xander versus Speed. So, so I think if it's a cash line, and maybe you're a little worried about Kokrak, maybe maybe you're not. But you could just come down off of Speed, and you'd save a, a decent amount of money, and then you can come up uh, from Kokrak up to like you, know, you can keep Kokrak, Matt Walls, go to Matt Walls and cash, or Charlie Hoffman, or, you know Keegan Bradley. Like he's got half Hoffman. Oh, he's got Hoffman. Okay, well Wallace is a good play too. That makes sense. Yeah, Brad, Bradley or Wallace, I think, just gets speed out of there for Xander. Xander is is going to finish top ten in this tournament. I like it. And then we've got um, the guy who asked the question. He's chiming in with minus eight. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to take stock of this. We have receipts now, so next week we can uh, see who's right. We had minus six, minus seven, minus eight, and minus eleven as the winning scores. So guys, that's the PGA Championship. Nick, any closing thoughts? Uh, Fulte's beating the Yankees right now. So, oh, is he really? Is that what you just said? Yeah, yeah. That, what's the score? Oh, three nothing and counting. And what inning is it? It is the bottom of the third. They got a guy in second and third too. So we're pushing. All right. So Fulte, for those of you that don't know, Fulte is very good friends uh, with uh, Nick Bretwish. And so we are all team Fulte, in spite of what John Jansen says on our daily betting show, Noon Eastern Standard Time. Is that a jersey? Yeah, it's a Fulte signed All Star jersey. Fantastic. All right, gentlemen, that's the PGA Championship. We'll see everybody next Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Um, Good luck with your bets. Good luck with DFS. Uh, You won't need luck for the first round leader play, so just kind of enjoy that. And uh, spend the money already. Just go like go spend it today. If you've got like if there's a good deal at a store, like you're looking for furniture or something, that's like it's just a Wednesday only deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go buy it tomorrow. You'll get tenfold that money on Thursday night. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. We're definitely going to need to spend the money first because I think you'll get a lot of gratification out of spending money you don't have but will have come Friday. Well, inflation's coming too, so you might as well just be a day early. Like, yeah, and if you miss a guys, sale, yeah, yeah up here, miss a sale. <laughs> don't miss a sale. That's that's not that's not how you gamble. Well, you know what? Here's actually I have to push back on that. Here's why you shouldn't buy it early because if you have any cash on you that's not on the bet to buy something else, then you're doing it wrong. Ooh. Oh. oh, that's good. Yeah. Damn. He just did the whole, he just turned it around like that Tony Robbins yep. thing you did earlier. Uh, the hell with oh. the sale. You're going to get, the sale doesn't matter when you win. Exactly. Because then you have twice right. the money to then buy whatever you want. You might want to upgrade from the thing you were going to get in the first place. That's yes. true. Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm so stupid. Exactly. We're done. Wow. Thanks, Joel. Yeah, Joel, that was uh, we 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 had we almost had people on the precipice of making a huge mistake. <laughs> Put all your money on Zero Kim. Don't spend it now. Wow, that was silly. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. All right, with that, guys, I, I think that's a good way to end the show. End the show, other than of course, sports. <laughs>